You are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. This has been a gathering of friends, and that's what we wanted to do is just gather some friends and encounter the Lord together, see what the Holy Spirit would do. And um, he's moved, and, uh, and one of the friends is uh, Nathan Edwardson, and Nathan and I uh, met about three years ago at a, at a Young Leaders Conference, and God just really connected us, and it was just a divine thing. He was here two years ago, and I'm just so thankful for you, Nathan. I'm thankful for you in my life. I thank you for uh, our connection with your church, the Stirring Family in Redding, California. Uh, we're part of that global family. We're connected. And there's just something that, that God's doing. He's, he's gathering friends from other cities, and he's connecting us. And, and we're going to run together, and we're going to see God do some incredible things in this land. And I've had the privilege to travel with him to Norway and um, to Banff. We, we went to Banff in February and just different ministry places. I've had the honor to preach in his church twice, and uh, just an incredible amazing community and if you're ever in Reading check out the stirring the stirring coffee house have a coffee it's amazing and so I just want you to give a real warm welcome to Nathan as he comes thank you Travis hey so I am always honored to speak and so grateful to be here um, but tonight, I'm actually excited to speak. In worship, we just kept looking at each other going, what is happening in this place? There's something so significant that God's already begun in our hearts. And, and uh, I, I hope that, that tonight we can just lean in a bit more to what he's doing. But this is a significant night for many of us. And the presence of God, the presence of God is here. Listen, we, we live Listen, we're alive in the greatest move of God the world has ever seen. And his name is Jesus. We live in the greatest revival the earth will ever see. His name is Jesus. And he lives in you. He lives in you. This is a big deal because too often we're asking God to do something out there God wants to do in here. And there's that story in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, who's in this conversation with Jesus. Okay, she's talking to God, she's talking to Jesus, and, and Jesus says something like, uh, uh, you know, there's a day coming, there's a time coming, and, and the woman kind of like hushes Jesus, oh, I know, I know, the Messiah is coming, he's coming, he'll come one day. She's talking to Jesus about Jesus. And I think too often the church is that woman. We're talking to Jesus, we're talking about Jesus to Jesus. And too often we're, we're talking about revival when we're actually in revival. Oh, revival's coming. Oh, Jesus is coming. <laughs> revival's happening. Because he lives in us and he's reviving us. So let's not be the woman talking to Jesus about Jesus. 
But let's, let's recognize when Jesus is standing in front of us and when revival is actually happening in this room. I don't want to sing uh, about something coming that's actually here. Uh, almost a hundred years ago, um, there was a man, my grandfather, great-grandpa Harold, and he was in Norway on the docks, and he didn't know Jesus and had nothing to do with religion or church, and there was a group of worshipers from the Salvation Army as revival was breaking out in the corners of Europe. And there was this group worshiping and singing on the docks. And one of these girls had the courage to leave the crowd and walk up to my great-grandfather. And she asked him this question, do you know Jesus? And my great-grandfather said, no. And she said, do you want to know Jesus? And he said, no. <laughs> and he walked away. And that girl went back to worship on the docks. He went home that day and he shut himself in his bedroom. And he said the moment he stepped in his bedroom, the Spirit of God came upon his life. He fell face down on the ground and gave his life to Jesus that day and he never looked back. And I love that, I love that story because I, I want to meet that girl one day. Because too often a no in the natural can become a big yes in heaven. And you have no idea because no act of obedience is ever wasted in the kingdom of God. How many times do we reach out in faith or we step out in faith and we, we walk home thinking it was a no when heaven always responds to faith? And I can't wait till heaven comes and we get to see all the things that happen, all the ripple, all the wake that our lives left that we didn't see. I think sometimes it's a gift from God that we don't see. Because I think sometimes if we saw all the fruit of our lives, we probably would get big in the wrong way. <laughs> and we might get prideful. I think there are times that God doesn't allow us to see and so my great-grandfather, Harold, married a woman from Sweden named Hildvig. And uh, they caught, they caught a, uh, a boat from Norway to Canada. And they ended up in a city that many of you have heard of called Edmonton. They were very poor, but they were rich in God. And they had this massive heart for people, and they fell in love with the people of Edmonton. And they spent their life and they spent all the money they had to open up a storefront in downtown Edmonton. And uh, 90 years ago, they started a movement here called Hope Mission. And so four years ago, I'm hanging out in Redding, California. And I get a text from my Brazilian friend who lives in Florida. He texted me four years ago, and he's like, Nate, this is crazy. I can't get this off my heart, but I saw you in Canada. And he, sa he said, I saw you, and I saw the stirring, and you guys were in Canada, and you were carrying the love of God. You were carrying the Father heart of God specifically to bring restoration to sons and daughters from broken families. 
So this is, I get this random text from this guy, a Brazilian in Florida. And he texts me over to California and he says, hey, Nate, I just see you and I see Canada and I don't know if this makes sense. And then he gave me this verse, Isaiah 60. And so I texted him back and I said, that's crazy, man. Like my family's from Canada and I have family in like 10 different cities in Canada, but I've never actually done ministry there. I haven't carried God's love there. And and they texted me back and just said, watch what God does. A year later, I'm in a, a room with like 400 young adults. And for whatever reason, Travis and I get connected. And we start talking. And, and I'm like, hey, you're from Canada. And he's, I'm from Canada. And I said, where? And he said, Edmonton. And I'm like, I think that's where my great-grandparents are from. And so I went and researched it online because I didn't actually know. And came back. And I'm like, yeah, pretty sure like that's where my family went from Norway to Edmonton. And so we got connected. And... I'm just telling you guys, it is such an honor to be a part of resurgence and what God is doing. And I just need to tell you, God loves Canada. God loves Canada enough to talk to Brazilians in Florida about you. Listen, if you're ever wondering, here's the thing about God. I love that God talks about us behind our backs. Listen, when people talk about you behind your back, it's called gossip. When God does it, it's called gossip. God can talk. This is what he does. This, the prophetic is just God loves to talk. He loves you so much. He loves to talk about you to other people. So when people come to you and go, hey, I kind of have a word for you. You got to see God's there. And he's like, oh, I've been talking about you again. He loves you. He's like a dad that can't stop talking about his kid. That's all the prophetic is. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. God's just talking about you. Like, whoa, that's crazy. You got a prophetic word. No, God's just talking about you. God just knows you, and he's talking about, this guy's so prophetic. He read my mail. No, it didn't. no he just he listens to God, and God just, God read your mail. <laughs> God read your life. And so uh, I'm just honored to be here, and and uh, to, to come and, and carry the love of God and the Father heart of God. But I have to say to you guys, I, I feel as loved. I've been prayed for so many times over the past couple days. And uh, sometimes you show up thinking you've got the message and you realize that everyone else had the message uh, for you. So I just want to pray and we'll jump in. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're talking to Brazilians in Florida about Canada. Thank you that, God, you love Canada so much, God, that you're talking to people around the world about the resurgence and the revival that's already happening. God, I don't want to be like that woman that's talking about something that's coming. It's coming. It's com I want to see it when it comes and recognize that revival's already breaking out in our hearts. It's already begun because Jesus lives in us. The greatest revival lives in us here and now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you guys um, read your Bibles in Canada, um, you can turn to um, Daniel chapter 3. If not, it's all right. You can get out your phone um, or you can just, just listen. Uh, so here's, here's this story. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue of himself. And it's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And, and uh, Babylon at this point in history ruled the entire world. So here's this king who rules the world. 
and he builds this massive statue and he, and he calls his worship band to play a song and release a sound on the earth. And the decree goes out from this king. When you hear the sound of this worship band, bow down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar. So this king sends a decree out across the entire land and says, when you hear the sound, bow down. And so the whole world is bowing down to a false king. The whole world is bowing down to a false image. And you guys know this is happening in our day. The whole world bowing down to a a perverted image of sexuality, a perverted image of marriage, a a, a false um, image of security or, or money or whatever, whatever gods our generation is worshiping rather than the true God. But the story says there were three young men who refused to bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The whole world's bowing down to a false god except these three young men. And in Daniel 3, chapter 13, wind of this gets to Nebuchadnezzar. It says that Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, he said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue when you hear the sound of the instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? Hint, hint. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, and I love that they say this, because, listen, we don't know. We know that God is all-powerful, but we don't always know that he will save us in every moment because he never promised safety in every moment. He said, in this world... Sense right now, put it on a shelf. First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5.20, test everything. Hold on to the good. So we need to test the word. If someone gave you a word and you're like, eh, I, I don't know, put it on the shelf. mad. He and demanded such a hot fire that the flames killed his soldiers as they threw the men in. So they fell into the roaring flames. Suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up with amazement and cried out to his peeps, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, we did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a god. Well, here's this incredible story. I want to talk to you tonight. I just want to share a simple message. It's something I believe God is doing in our day. It's something I believe that that God is doing in you. There's a move of God already happening in our day, if we can see it. And this move of God is not a move of God in the church. It's a move of God of the church into culture. 
Because God wants culture back. And when I say culture, I'm talking about Jesus happening everywhere. This is the dream of God. This was the dream of the resurrection was that Jesus would happen everywhere. So when we talk about culture and influencing culture, we're talking about Jesus happening in business. How many call it the business? Jesus happening in fashion. Jesus happening in classrooms. Jesus happening in politics. Jesus happening in living rooms and families and fatherings and motherings. We don't need more anointed gatherings. We need more anointed baristas. We need more anointed doctors. We need more anointed fathers and mothers. We don't need another worship service to bring the, the outpouring of God. We need people whose everyday lives of worship bring the outpouring of God. But the church is so addicted to church. And we forgot that, that Jesus didn't die and, and rise from the dead so that we could experience God in church. Jesus gave his life and rose from the dead to touch humanity. Jesus didn't just give his life so we could stop smoking. He gave his life so that we could live life and life to the fullest, so that, so that Jesus would happen everywhere. This is the heart of God, and God wants culture back. And one of the reasons why our most spiritual encounters with God happen in church is for many of us that's the only place we expect him and you only see God where you expect God and if church is the place that we expect God to show up then that's the place we'll see God show up but what if worship wasn't something that happened at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. Hey guys, let's be here early. We're going to pray. Worship starts at 9. Actually, you guys know worship doesn't ever start. Like, worship started like a, an eternity ago. We, we go, God, would you show up? <laughs> Listen, God doesn't show up. We show up. The Bible, when the, when the writers of the Bible get a glimpse into heaven, like there's worship already happening. We show up. The angels never stop worshiping. All of creation is worshiping God. It's, we're not asking God to show up. We show up. We just join the worship of eternity. But imagine if it wasn't like, hey, worship starts, you know, Sunday at 9, you know, when the worship band starts. Imagine if there are people like, like teachers in the classrooms going, worship starts on Tuesday when I step into that classroom. Because I'm showing up and God's here. God wants culture back. Listen, God's not dreaming about us doing church better. God's dreaming about us doing life better. Jesus happening everywhere. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that are embedded in the culture of their day. What I love about this story is this story doesn't happen in church. It happens in real life for these young men who are taken from their families and put into a foreign land to serve a foreign king. And here's this moment where their yes to God costs them deeply. 
They refuse to bow down. When you refuse to bow down to the culture around you, it will always cost you. But in the end, the cost is nothing compared to the reward. There's a cost in the moment, but the reward is for eternity. And they're thrown into the fire. But this is the reality. Listen, holiness never begins when you're thrown into the fire. It begins years earlier when the fire of God's thrown into you. And for these guys, almost 30 years earlier, they made a decision. I think sometimes we live with this, this kind of reality of like when it matters or when it counts or, or, or when, when the king's about to throw me into the fire, then I'll say yes, then God will anoint me. It doesn't work like that. The fire of God got into these three men almost 30 years before this moment. They were brought as captives into the foreign land and, and uh, they refused. Listen, before they refused to bow down, they refused to eat the king's meat and drink his wine, which to, to refuse to eat meat, that's just a tragedy. <laughs> you guys have a restaurant called Meat. It's my favorite. Every time we come here, we go to meat and we eat so much meat. But, but they refused to eat the king's meat and drink his wine. They refused to bow down when no one was looking. And listen, when you make history with God when no one's looking, God makes history with you when everyone's looking. This didn't start with them being thrown in the fire. This started 30 years earlier when they're like, hey, listen, this doesn't really seem like it matters. No one will know if I'm looking at pornography or not. No one will know if I'm cheating on my taxes. Holiness begins when no one's looking. And you want the fire of God in you. It's, it's never in the moment you think it is. It's always years earlier in the secret, in the hidden place when we're making a thousand decisions before the Lord that no one will ever know about. But God sees everyone. And so 30 years later, of course, Jesus would be standing with these three because, man, they've been standing with me for 30 years. So here's the thing. We're talking about influence. Influence begins with holiness. And I want to move this along for you guys tonight. But influence begins with holiness. God calls us out. God calls us out of culture. He calls us out of the world. If you've encountered Jesus, if you've met Jesus, he's called you out. You get holy. Holiness, it means, listen, he's called you out. And you've stepped out of the crowd. You cannot influence the crowd from the crowd. You have to leave the crowd to actually influence the crowd. And when God calls you out, you get holy and you step out of the crowd and and there's a sound in you that is counter to the sound of culture around you. There's a fire burning in you that's so different than the fire around you. And when the fire of God lives in you, the fire of culture can't sway you. And this is holiness. God calls us out. 
and we step out. Holiness isn't something God just does in you. It's we partner with God. He calls us out, but we have to step out. There are moments when you actually have to leave the crowd. And it is costly to leave the crowd, but you can't influence the crowd from the crowd. And this is holiness. Influence always begins with holiness. Just in my own life, I encountered Jesus a few years back when I was 22 years old. I was working at Red Robin serving burgers. And the fire of God, just the Spirit of God was beginning to move in my life. I had no idea what to do. I just was looking for God and, God, what do I do? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And so I gathered all the believers that worked at Red Robin with me. There were maybe 15 believers. And I said, we got to meet and pray every morning and ask God to send revival to Red Robin. Do you guys have Red Robins? Okay. All right. So I met, we started meeting in the morning and praying, and then one of the guys is like, hey, let's march around Red Robin every morning. (laughs) Now, I don't recommend this. Listen, it worked back then. Don't do it now. But we started prayer walking around Red Robin, asking God to bless the fries, asking God to, to meet the cooks with power. We started marching around. But I remember, listen, And people were getting saved. Cooks were coming out of atheism. I remember being at Red Robin. This girl came up to me and she said, I don't know what's happening, but I have have tormenting voices. I'm having nightmares every night. I can't sleep. And she said, will you pray for me? Because I know that your God answers prayer. I prayed for her. God healed her, set her free. And she gave her life to Jesus and became a part of our worshiping community. Marching around Red Robin. Okay, listen though. Okay, I remember though, I remember the day I was at work. I remember the day when the Holy Spirit whispered to me and asked me to begin claiming my tips, which would cost me a lot of money. It is much easier to march around the walls of Red Robin than to allow God to march around the walls of your heart. It is much easier to be loud and pray than it is to obey the whisper of the Holy Spirit that's going to cost you money. It's easy to serve a God until he starts messing with your gods. And I remember that moment I was so torn because I didn't want to claim my tips. It would cost me hundreds of dollars every month. And I went to our manager and I just said, hey, listen, I just have a question for you about claiming tips. Are we supposed to? Is it legal? And he says, well, legally you're supposed to, but no one does it. Forget about it. So I had a talk with God that day and I said, oh, God, no one does it. (laughs) Listen, this is a true story. He's 22 years old, trying to figure it out. I said, God, no one claims their tips. He says, you do. You do. Influence begins with holiness. God calls you out and you step out. And you become obedient to the whisper of the Holy Spirit no matter what it costs you. But here's the thing. Influence can't stop at holiness. Holiness must become excellence if we're going to transform our cities. If we're going to see Jesus happen in fashion, if we're going to see Jesus happen in police stations, if we're going to see Jesus happen in engineering, if we're going to see Jesus happen in business, holiness must become 
excellence. And here's what's happened in the church is the church stopped at holiness. We thought the goal was to get holy. We didn't know that we were meant to get holy and then get excellent. Because here's the reality. God calls us out to send us in. Write that down. God calls us out to send us in. Too many in the church got called out and they never went back in. Too many came out of culture and got afraid of big, bad culture. And we became those who are against culture. There are those that have taken a stand against culture or they've escaped culture. But listen, when you fight with culture or you become passive and you escape culture, you will not transform culture because you cannot influence a world you refuse to touch. This was the whole point of Jesus. Jesus came into culture to influence culture from the inside out. God's not intimidated by culture. He's not threatened by ISIS. He's not, he's not intimidated by Trump. That's our president, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> and yet the church has become so afraid of culture. We're pulling all of our kids out of school. We're pulling all of our, we're, we're trying to get isolated in this Christian bubble. We're leaving the very place God is sending us. So we've got to move beyond holiness. God calls us out. When he calls you out, then he can send you in. But now you carry the sound of heaven. And I love what happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get holy, but they don't just get holy, they get excellent. It says in chapter 1, verse 17, God gave these four young men unusual aptitude for understanding literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret dreams and visions. So God doesn't just call us out of culture. He actually anoints us for culture. God anoints us for business. He anoints us for politics. He anoints us for the creative arts. He anoints us for music. I remember in high school, the big deal in high school is you'd show up at high school camp and someone would preach a message about holiness. And listen, I heard a thousand messages about holiness, but none about excellence. I heard so many campfire messages about bringing all my rap CDs and burning them in a fire before the Lord. I knew exactly what I needed to lay down, but no one told me what to pick up. No one told me I could be the next Eminem. We move beyond holiness to excellence. This is what excellence is. And I use the word excellence and not faithfulness. I think faithfulness is a word that church loves to use. Let's just be faithful. But sometimes being faithful sounds like a chore or something. And we've been excellent at being faithful, but we haven't been faithful at being excellent. And if we're going to see Jesus happen everywhere, we've got to get excellent. This is what it means. It means life and life to the fullest. Excellence means snowboarding with Jesus. Excellence means business with Jesus. It means marriage with Jesus. It means mothering with Jesus. It means tacos with Jesus. 
Excellence is I want to live life and life to the fullest. Jesus said I came to destroy the works of the enemy and to bring life and life to the fullest. He said nothing about Sunday morning gatherings. God's not dreaming about us doing church better. And I think too often we put all of our energy into doing church better. We're raising up church people and church leaders when God's more interested in raising up kingdom people and culture leaders. I have a friend named Alan Scott who pastors a church in Ireland. And recently I heard him say something that was so profound. Alan Scott said this. He said, if it doesn't work in the city, we won't do it in the church. And he believes that much in the call on the church to influence the city. And so a girl came to him and said, hey, I want to dance in church. And he said, are you dancing in the city? She said, no. And he said, then you can't dance in the church. She was so upset that he would rob her of the gift of dancing and expressing herself in the church. And he said, well, why don't you consider starting like a dance school in the city? And she wrestled with it, and she eventually started a dance school in her city and started gathering all kinds of kids and dancers and, and, and young people at this school, and it's thriving, this dance school. And here's the reality. Had she settled for dancing in the church, she would have fulfilled her desire but she wouldn't have transformed her city. We have to move beyond just fulfilling our desires to transforming a city, where our desires meet God's desire to transform a city. And if the Jesus you're following never leaves the church, I would suggest you're following the wrong Jesus. If the Jesus you're following lives in the church, then I, I, don't, I don't know if you're following the, the Jesus that I know because he can only spend so much time in the church he loves the church but he, had, he there's a reason why Jesus was always sending them out right when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 1 they left the room they left the room and then they got scared and came back into a room and locked the doors and Jesus burst into that room again, and he's like, oh, you guys are back in the room. What happened? What happened? They're afraid. And then he, what did he do? He said, I'm sending you. He said, leave the room. Leave the room. We've divorced church from culture, and God wants culture back. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a brilliant book. He says a couple things in there that just move me all the time. He says this. He says, God wants to fill us with his spirit. You know you're filled with God's spirit when you sense the presence of God on your life while you're doing the dishes. I just love that. Because if you can sense God's hand on your life while you're doing the dishes, you'll begin to sense God's hand on your life at work, and you'll begin to sense God's hand on your life in your marriage, and, and uh, in your dreams, and in your adventures, and in your struggles. If you, can, if you can sense God's hand on your life when it doesn't really seem to matter, then you'll know God's with you when it seems to matter. 
I love this about David. When David faces Goliath, the giant, what he says to Goliath is this. I sensed the hand of God on my life while I wrestled and killed lions and bears. That's why I know he'll be with me as I kill you. The confidence, listen, he wasn't just winging it. David wasn't winging it. Like, I'm going to kill a giant. You know, it wasn't his first rodeo. He had been killing lions and bears for years. And since the hand of God on his life over and over again. And when you become like those that kill lions and bears, and all that is is being faithful. That was his job. He's just doing his job. David was just doing his job. He felt God's anointing on his life while he was doing his job. And, and when, we, when we experience God's anointing in the ordinary things, God can entrust us with the extraordinary things. Jesus says this. He said, if I can't, if I can't trust you with earthly things, how can I entrust you spiritual things? And I love that in the book of Exodus, the first... Men, the first people filled with the Spirit of God in the book of Exodus, they're not pastors. They're not spiritual leaders. As much as I wish the book of Exodus would read something like, and then God looked throughout the earth for the most spiritual, godly preacher he could anoint. And God anointed a preacher and he preached a stage on Sunday and revival broke out. That's not what Exodus says. It said that God anointed craftsmen and artisans and, and wood workers. The first, the first men filled with God's spirit were like commissioned to build the temple. They were the artisans and the craftsmen, which, which should absolutely floor us. They were anointed to do their jobs. And so here's what's happened so suddenly in the church is there's a girl and she responds to the call of God to go to YWAM. And so she comes to her leaders and says, I'm leaving my job and I'm going to go do a DTS. I'm going to YWAM in Hawaii for nine months. I just sensed the call of God and, and we'd, oh, we're so happy that you're, that you're responding to God and, and can we commission you? And so we get the girl from YWAM up on stage and everyone, they extend their hands and we pray for her and we anoint her and we commission the YWAM girl to, to quit her job and go do YWAM and serve the Lord because that's the holy thing to do. The problem is we didn't commission anyone who kept their jobs. We anointed the one person who quit her job. We forgot to anoint everyone keeping their jobs. The doctor who's giving his life to see people get well and healed and whole. We, we didn't anoint the doctor because somehow that's less holy than the girl leaving her job to go to YWAM. Listen, if we all quit our jobs, we're not going to see our city filled with God. Because God lives in people. He doesn't live in man-made buildings. He lives in people. We can't all quit our jobs. And I'm all for YWAM. I want my kids to do YWAM. I think it's great. But listen, the church has, has so subtly sent this message that YWAM is more holy than being a doctor or being a barista or being a student. 
Or then we do this in our church. I don't know if you guys do this in your church, but once a year we, we have all the kid workers stand up. We have all the kid workers stand up and they stand up across the place and we cheer them on and we celebrate them because they spent the last nine months working with our kids for one hour a week. We celebrated the kids workers that gave an hour of their week to work with our kids. You know, you know what though? We kind of forgot to celebrate all the teachers who gave nine months of their life who gave hours and hours every day and years and years to invest in our kids' lives. And somehow we, just, we told every teacher in this place, what you do is less holy than what our, our kids' workers do for an hour a week. Or the parents. Maybe we celebrated the teachers. We forgot to celebrate all the moms that have to live with those freaking kids. <laughs> Come on, parents. We celebrate kids workers for an hour a week more than moms that are like, that's the only hour they're not with their kids. <laughs> so you guys can see how the, the very culture of the church is promoting something that's very anti-Christ. And not what God is wanting to do. And I don't, I'm a pastor. I don't blame the church, but we've got, to, we've got to flip the script, guys. We've got to flip the script. We've got to start celebrating the fullness of Jesus released and activated through the fullness of the body of Christ. So we've started commissioning, like, nurses and and commissioning, we're, we're looking, who can we commission? We're commissioning writers, and, and we're pulling them up, and we're commissioning them to full-time ministry in hospitals and in classrooms and in cubicles. And I'm watching. I'm watching these people in our church that have just kind of been hiding out because what I do is second class. What I do isn't as holy. I'm watching these people start to get big because they realize I am called the full-time ministry. Because God never promised a paycheck, but what he did promise was power. You don't need a position to change the world. You don't need a platform. You don't need Instagram followers. But what you do need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. So God, listen, in our, in our generation, God is... He's calling us into holiness. And listen, I know many of you, you carry holiness as a core message. And many of you burn for holiness. But he's also leading us beyond holiness into excellence where we begin to live life with God. If we're going to influence culture, we need people in culture. Listen, I, I realize uh, this morning there's a beautiful message that Jolene preached. And she talked about holiness and, and all those, those, those idols and all those things like Netflix and Instagram and Facebook and those things that kind of war for the affection of our hearts. We have to get in tune. We've got to get holy. But here's the thing. It, it's not enough just to, just to not watch Netflix. We need God to anoint the filmmakers who are going to bring a revolution to Netflix from the inside out. God wants Hollywood back. And, and we, don't, we don't boycott Hollywood because we don't like everything Hollywood's doing. We need to send missionaries. We need to send filmmakers and writers and actors and producers. And right now there are so many amazing films with redemptive plots. And, and just, I watched, how many watched The Shack? 
Listen, I watched The Shack, and, and I was a little critical at first. The first 20 minutes, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm tired of cheesy Christian films. 20 minutes in, I was bawling like a baby. And I don't know what you think about the theology of it and, and all of that. My, I was meeting God in it. And this is why Jesus says, be, be innocent as doves, but be shrewd as snakes. Jesus is releasing strategy in people to get into the cracks and crevices of culture, to begin to produce the fruit. It's not okay to live downstream and complain about what's coming downstream. As the followers of Jesus, we've got to get upstream. God anointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, anointed them with with understanding and dreams and visions, and I believe God's going to anoint us to, to do business. He's going to anoint us to, to, to be in healthcare. He's going to anoint us to, um, to, to do startup or fashion. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, God's, God's Spirit's going to anoint us to actually do it in a way that amazes people and draws them to God. And this is what happens in this story. I, I love it because early on they're impressed. And here's the thing. Listen, holiness without excellence becomes very religious and irrelevant to the culture around us. But excellence without holiness lacks the power of God. We need holiness and excellence. And listen, when you're excellent, we all know people awesome at something. They just have no power. Some of you in this room, you're excellent at what you do, but you're not holy. And you don't have a secret life with God. You're awesome. It just has no power. But when you're holy and you're excellent, that's when people will begin to see Jesus with you in the fire and in the flames. And when God anoints your life, it looks like you. When God anoints your life, it looks like you. That the Holy Spirit didn't flood our lives to conform us to make us some Jesus clone. The Bible says that the Spirit of God filled us not to conform us, but to transform us. And the more that I look like Jesus, the more I look like Nate. And the more that I become Nate, and I haven't always liked Nate. I spent years of my life not liking Nate and pretending to be someone else and wanting to be somewhere else. But the more that I realize that God loves Nate and God wants Nate, the more that I become fully Nate, the more my life reveals God. And this is the divine paradox that many of us, we've got to stop living in false humility. False humility is killing the church because there's this like, well, I'm just going to hide out. I don't want to rock the boat. Here's the reality. God lives in you. Don't reduce the size of God to what you feel about yourself. But allow God to grow you into what He believes about you. And some of us are meant to be amazing leaders in culture. Not hiding in politics, but leading in politics. God wants to lead us beyond holiness to excellence. Life and life to the fullest. And we're going to pray here in a moment if the worship team wants to come.
This is what I believe God wants to do tonight. There's a couple things I want to share as we move into a time of worship. But I believe God wants to anoint people tonight. God wants to anoint not, not just church leaders. God wants to anoint culture leaders tonight. And I really believe as we were worshiping, God's pleasure is in this place. He is so stoked to be here tonight. And He wants to anoint you. I just see the hand of God coming upon your life to influence culture where you are. How many in here, how many are called to fashion? Some of you fashion and beauty. Any of you fashion? Anyone? Are you serious? I know, I know there are some called to fashion. I was... When we were worshiping, I just felt like there are some in this room, listen, that are going to lead. You carry. It's all right. It's all right. Listen, there are some that you carry God's heart for beauty and His image. And I felt like there are people in this room that are going to become fashion leaders in Canada. Because fashion is a huge, fashion and, and body image and all of that can be such a huge lie if it's not connected to God. And God wants to raise up fashion leaders, teachers. How many teachers are here? God wants to anoint, listen, God, God is celebrating teachers, but God wants to anoint teachers to carry God's kingdom in the classroom. We're going to see a move of God in classrooms. And even though if you're teaching in a, in a secular school, I know you can't talk about Jesus, you won't have to. Listen, when you, the people that feel like they have to talk about Jesus, they're talking about Jesus because they don't know how to live Jesus. I love that every once in a while Jesus would heal someone and he'd go, don't talk about it, just show people. Show people. We're going to live. Listen, we're going to learn. I feel like the Lord's going to teach us Many of you in here, called to culture, called to business. God's going to teach us how to make our place of work our place of worship. Because do you guys know that words work and worship come from the same Hebrew word? Your work was always meant to be your worship, but we have this weird divorce thing where like work is work and I'm just surviving my job and, and, and I really want another job because I want to make more money. But listen, God's going to teach us how to make the mundane moments and the, the ordinary workplace. He's going to anoint us in our jobs that they become places of worship. They become altars of God where people start to encounter the Lord. I, I'm just kind of, listen, this is just me, this is my rant Ray, but I'm kind of tired of the church always running to the church altar as if this is the only place to encounter God. Let's start building altars of worship in our homes and in our cubicles and on our campuses and, and waking up to the fact that this is where God is. I didn't even know it, but this is where God is. And God wants to anoint you and I believe I'm supposed to say this for some of you. God anoints you long before you're ready. You don't earn the anointing. The power of God on your life, God anoints you long before you're ready. He, he anointed Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego years before it mattered. He anointed David in the field. 
He anointed, he gave Joseph a dream before the pit and the prison and the palace. God anoints us long before we're, we're ready. In Luke 9, he sends his disciples out and he gives them all authority over sickness and demons. He sends them out. Listen, he anoints his disciples and sends them out. A few verses later, they come across the, these Samaritans and they turn to Jesus and go, there's some Samaritans. Should we call down fire from heaven and kill them? Jesus anoints his disciples and seconds later, they want to murder people. Okay, he anoints us before we're ready. You guys get it? God doesn't anoint you in the moment when it matters. He anoints you long before that. And I believe the Spirit of God's going to come upon many of you. And the reason why you haven't asked for it, the reason why you haven't expected it, is you thought it would come in that moment. No, God wants to anoint you now. And so I want to do something right now. If you're here, if you're here in this place, and we're going to pray for, I want to pray for church leaders in, in a moment because some of you are called to the church. I'm called to the church. I didn't want to be called to the church. I wanted to be called to film. And the Lord called me to the church. So whatever, whatever, God. Jesus. But I want to pray for those, not, not, not people who feel called to the church, but those that, that feel called to culture, whether it's counseling or teaching or engineering or designing if that's, if, if that's you and you're asking God to anoint you for the culture, anoint you where you are, you're asking God to anoint you for the next church, not one happening here on Sundays. If that's you, stand right now, wherever you're at. I need to do that again because too many of you stood. Wow. So good. Raise your hand if you if you feel called to the church. Church leader. We have church leaders here. Amazing. Church leaders, God is expanding our vision right now. God's giving church leaders a vision for their cities. The reason why Joshua could take cities was years earlier Moses saw those cities being taken Joshua walked in his destiny because Moses saw it and God's anointing church leaders to see cities and prepare the way because this is the reality God is leading a generation out of the church and I love the church. So I don't mean like you're leaving the church and you're not going to be a part of the local church. I, God is doing local church. I'm into local church. But God, we're meant to be sent. God's leading a generation in this place. Every one of you that stood, Jesus is leading you out of the church to influence culture. And as church leaders, a generation's leaving the church. And either we lose them or we send them. Either we lose them or we send them. And churches all over Canada are losing a generation right now. Give us a leader for those, for the next Justin Bieber. 
Come on. Act for the, for the real Justin Bieber. Get him, Lord. Come on. Give us a vision for, for fashion. Give us a vision for what can happen in a, a hair salon. Give us a vision for CrossFit and gyms. Because that's where Jesus wants to happen. You guys, what are your names? Catherine and Ryan? Hey, as we were worshiping, I just looked over here and I just kept seeing such beautiful, like, presence of God on your guys' lives. And I saw that you guys were so connected. Like, you guys are so connected. And I looked over here and I heard that verse that says, one puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. And I felt like the Lord said, you guys are like an army together. You're like an army together. And that God's doing something. I just felt like, I felt like there's something. I, I, saw you, I saw you guys extending your hands together, like laying your hands on people together. I saw you guys like, like young couples and young marriages and young adults. And I saw like together there was the power of Jesus released through your life. So we just bless you guys. We bless you guys with more. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, God. What's your name? Yeah. Maya? As we were worshiping Maya, I looked over and saw you, and immediately I felt like the Lord said, she loves people. She loves people. And I looked over and I just saw the love of God just overflowing. And, and you know God loves you, and that's why. And, it, and I saw the love of God pouring in but through you. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you you're a pastor. You're a pastor. That pastor is not a position reserved for people that have seminary degrees. The disciples are proof of that. I felt like the Lord said, commission her as a pastor. She's a shepherd. She's a pastor. Wow. All right. Wow. More love, God. I see, I just see God bringing you broken youth. Broken young women. Broken young men. I see you. I see you guys together, but I see you really pioneering this, that raising boys to become men girls to become women of God. There's a strong pastoral call on your life. Amen. So if you guys standing would just maybe put your hands out. And I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but I want, I want you to pray. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to do something in you. You know what you need, and God knows exactly what you need. God, would you anoint us? Would you empower us where we are? Just pray right now. Pray in your heart. Pray out loud. Whatever it looks like. Just ask God's spirit to come.
going to pray right now. I'm going to ask God a bold prayer. God, I'm asking that you would raise up culture leaders who will influence cities and nations. God, I'm asking that you would anoint culture leaders to influence hospitals and classrooms, coffee houses and living rooms. God, I'm asking that you would anoint with your power strategies from heaven to see your spirit come in gyms and on campuses, in the marketplace, in cubicles. I see writers. How many writers are here? I just feel like there's so many books. There's so many writers. God's anointing you. I just see the hand of God on your hand as writers. I see books coming out of this place, books that, that, uh, that are sneaky books. Some of you, listen, some of you are called to write books for the church. Some of you are called to write books for the world. And God's going God's to anoint you to write books that don't have to say Jesus on the cover. They don't have to have a dove on the cover. But it will overflow the Spirit of God. God, I ask for your anointing for those in sports, for coaches, for athletes, for those working with youth. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just respond for a moment in worship. Let's just worship him. Sometimes, sometimes it's, we just worship him. for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.